Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. An Erio's original. And welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite unsolved mysteries. Each week, we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. First, a bit of exciting news Web Crawlers now has a Patreon. Web Crawlers still has a Patreon. <laughs> every, dollar is, every dollar will help us continue to create high-quality, well-researched shows with exciting guests for our listeners. Our patrons will receive rewards, bonus episodes, videos, shout-outs, and merchandise discounts. We love doing the show so much and would love to accelerate it to the next level. To contribute, please go to patreon.com slash webcrawlers. Also... Keep sending us in your ghost stories. They're so good. We just got a new one last night. It's spooky. Mm. So keep sending them in. Full of spooks. Also, just a reminder, please subscribe to us and write us some nice comments. Yeah, we got a great We're, one this morning that one. are just, that's like, white women be crazy. White women are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Which honestly, not I, no. I liked it. <laughs> I liked it too. It was a one-star review that just said white women. And I was white like, at least we got again. one star. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you for that You're review. You're right. <laughs> we are at it again. <laughs> We're also on Spotify too. Yes. In case you guys didn't know. Yeah. So go to Spotify. Okay, for our weird thing of the week, remember... Last week, we mentioned an email that we got. Oh, my God. From a girl that we didn't know if we should respond or not, or if she's legitimately in trouble. I don't know. So we got an email with the title in all caps. Yeah. It says, this demon won't leave me alone. 
Parentheses, I was in a devil cult. Please help me. Who among us have not? I'm not going to say who it's from, just in case, you know. Read it, though. It's so good. She says, 21 female. Just starts with that. Around 2009 to 2010, my mom was heavily into energy work. Mm -hmm. Eventually, she was approached by Joey Klein, who is, like, I looked him up. He's like a healing faith something dude, whatever. He claimed to be part of an elite group of psychics and offered to be her personal mentor. Uh, In time, she was convinced and signed a contract with him and the group. Later, Joy revealed they were actually a sect of Scientology. Uh Joey and the group were trying to force her to brand their symbol into her skin. Kind of like Nexium or Sherry Papini. Or Sherry Papini. She ripped up the contract and left. Ever since then, my mom has been stalked and harassed. Uh, in high school, I joined an underground devil cult in hopes to make it stop. Mm. I was ready to sell my soul to make a and make a blood oath contract, but the cult said I could only do it when the devil said it was time. One night in a seance, I was discussing my tra- contract with a demon. The moment they told me I had to sacrifice my cat, I was out. Oh, shit. I get it. Yeah. I would never sacrifice my cat. <laughs> The cult said it had to be done, so I left. Demonic entities would be in my room every night, and I regularly had sleep paralysis. Ooh, shit. They would be talking to me and touching me without permission. I had nightmares of my dying cat. Shortly after this, she died (gasps) inexplicably and wasn't even a year old. Oh, no. The vets said her brain shut down. They've never seen anything like it. For about a year now, there has been... Maria thinks this is no. hilarious. <laughs> no, it's just crazy. Like, that's crazy. It is, it's crazy. I'm not yeah, laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because that's, like, bizarre. Yes, yeah, nervous laughter. Yes. The room is filled. The room was filled with nervous, nervous laughter. laughter. What is it called when um, it's the ter- laugh of terror? What is that thing called that monkeys do? I'll look what? it up. Keep going, but I, I, I haven't no heard of it. I have no idea what you're talking okay. about. Like, when guys get a fear boner. What is a... F- <laughs> oh, fear boner. Okay. Yeah. That's a thing too, I think. When guys when guys get scared, I think they can get a boner. Oh, I think it's okay. called a fear boner. Okay. Continue. That makes, I'll look that up while that, you continue. Okay, we need a fear you boner look up and, monkeys and monkeys laughing. <laughs> okay, continue. Continue. For about a year now there's been no activity until a couple of days ago. I've been waking up with unexplained scratches and bruises. One night, I was looking at old drawings on my laptop. One picture wasn't loading, and I suddenly felt the presence in the room standing behind me. Oh, my God. I immediately knew this was the demonic picture I drew while I was part of the cult. Stop it. As soon as I came to this realization, the picture flashed on the screen, and my bathroom light fan flipped on. (gasps) The next night, I had night terrors. I woke up paralyzed and heard someone walking around my room and a thud at the end of my bed. I could feel the ancient presence standing over me. I tried to scream for help, but I couldn't move, and it only came out as a whisper. Oh, my God. The moment I could open my eyes and sat up, my painting flew off the wall. No. Tonight is the third night, and I'm terrified for 4 a.m. to come around. I would I never finalize the contract, so why won't the demonic shit stop? So this is happening to her now. This was four days ago. This is present tense. Well, I'm out of options and having a seance tonight to try to kick this thing out. Wish me luck, guys. This is bad. So what do we do? Well, there's a couple different things. Do we contact her or what do we do? Do we call the police? Do we email her back or do we think this is... We just leave it as be. Is it real? Is what she's saying real? I don't know. I mean, the only way to get to the bottom of this is to talk to her. 
I think we I think we need to respond. We should write back. Because she's obviously distressed. Yeah. This isn't a call. I don't think you can call the cops and be like, this woman's being haunted. <laughs> right. Because what are they going to do? They're not going to do anything. Yeah. So I think we just have to email her back and be like, give us an update. What's going on? Yeah. It could be it could be someone's playing a joke on us. Could totally be all made up. But next week, tune in. Yeah, we'll write her back. Because we're going to write her back and then we'll see what... What I mean, there's happens. so many details that it might not be. Ma- I don't know. I don't know. I, I believe her. Yeah. There's, well, it's pretty let's... loaded. Yeah, that doesn't say a lot, though. Let's move on to our topic of the week. We are continuing with our vibe of the occult and Satanism. We're going to be looking into the West Memphis Three, the child murders at Robin Hood Hills. The conviction of Damien Eccles, Jesse Miss Kelly Jr., and Jason Baldwin, and their later release from prison. How are the Dixie Chicks, Johnny Depp, and Lord of the Rings involved? Let's get started. The men who came to be known as the West Memphis Three have always insisted they did not commit a brutal triple murder. They did not kill my son. Three outcasts with mullets and dark clothing who dabbled in the occult. Accused of a gruesome satanic murder. Damien Eccles shall be sentenced to death by lethal injection. There was no physical evidence tying them to the crime. Held in solitary confinement for a decade. It's, it's been an absolute living hell. A little bit of background. Uh, this is from Wikipedia, our favorite source. The West Memphis Three are three men known for being convicted as teenagers in 1994 for the 1993 murders of three boys in Arkansas. The first boy convicted was Damien Eccles, and he was sentenced to death. The second boy was Jesse Miss Kelly Jr., and he got life imprisonment plus two 20-year sentences. The third boy was Jason Baldwin, and he got life imprisonment. During the trial, it was insisted that this was an occult and a satanic ritual. The case got uh, generated widespread controversy, and it sprung about Four documentaries and one feature film mm-hmm. starring the Reese Witherspoon. And Colin Firth. And Colin Firth. Celebrities and musicians have held fundraisers to support the efforts to free the men who are now free. And people believe that they are innocent of the charges. And there's still speculation as to who actually did these murders. Okay, so here's what happened on May 5th, 1993. Three eight-year-old boys, Steve Branch, Michael Moore, and Christopher Byers, were reported missing in West Memphis, Memphis, Arkansas. The first report to the police was made by Christopher Byers' adoptive father, John Mark Byers, around 7 p.m. The boys were allegedly last seen together by three neighbors who said they saw them playing together around 6.30 p.m., the evening they disappeared. And they also saw Terry Hobbs, Steve Branch's stepfather, calling them to come home. So the police started searching that night. The next day, around 8 a.m., the police launched a more thorough search. They canvassed all of West Memphis, but focused primarily on Robin Hood Hills, where the boys were reported last seen. Around 1.45 p.m., parole officer Steve Jones spotted a boy's black shoe floating in a muddy creek that led to a major drainage canal in Robin Hood Hills. A further search of the ditch revealed the bodies of the three boys. They had been stripped naked and were hogtied with their own shoelaces, their right ankles tied to their right wrists behind their backs, the same with their left arms and legs. 
Their clothing was found in the creek, some of it twisted around sticks that had been dug into the muddy ditch bed. The clothing was mostly turned inside out, or two pairs of the boys' underwear were never recovered. Christopher Byers had lacerations to various parts of his body and mutilation of his scrotum and penis. The autopsies indicated that Byers died of multiple injuries, while Moore and Branch died of multiple injuries while drowning. Police initially suspected the boys had been raped. However, later expert testimony disputed this finding. Trace amounts of sperm DNA were found on a pair of pants recovered from the scene. Prosecution experts claim Byers' wounds were the result of a knife attack and that he had been purposely castrated by the murderer. Defense experts claim the injuries were probably the result of post-mortem animal predation. Police believe the boys were assaulted and killed near the drainage canal, but some critics argued that the assault was unlikely to have occurred at the creek. Okay, so who were these victims? It was Steve Edward Branch, who was eight years old. He was the son of Terry Hobbs, who was also the biological father to his younger sister, Amanda Hobbs. There was Christopher Mark Byers, also eight, lived with his mother, Melissa Byers, and his stepfather, John Mark Byers. And then James Michael Moore, also eight years old. He was the son of Diane and Todd Moore. He had received the least amount of injuries of the three boys and was located further north in the drainage ditch where all the boys were located. So who were the convicted and why? The first and most notorious is Damien Eccles. Was he a misunderstood goth teen or a psychopathic murderer? Damien was 18 and had dropped out of high school. He had spent several months in a mental institution in Arkansas and afterward received full disability status. Police officers felt that the crime had cult overtones and that Damien Eccles might be a suspect because he had an interest in occultism, and one officer felt Eccles was capable of murdering children. The police interviewed Eccles on May 7th, two days after the bodies were discovered. During polygraph tests, he denied any involvement. The polygraph examiner claimed that Eccles' chart indicated deception. On May 9th, Eccles mentioned that one of the victims had wounds to the genitals. Law enforcement viewed this knowledge as incriminating. After a month had passed with little progress in the case, police continued to focus their investigation upon Damien, interrogating him more frequently than any other person. Nonetheless, they claimed he was not regarded as a direct suspect, but a source of information. At the time of his arrest, he was working part-time with a roofing company and expecting a child with his girlfriend. Okay, then there was Jesse Miss Kelly Jr. He was 17. He has a reported IQ of 72, which categorizes him as borderline intellectual functioning. Mm. He had a reputation for his temper and for engaging in fights with other teenagers at school, but he dropped out of high school, and he was not close friends with Damien or the other guy who was convicted, Jason. That's interesting. On June 3rd, the police interrogated Jesse. Despite his low IQ and his status as a minor, he was also questioned alone. His parents were not there. He was questioned for about 12 hours, but only two segments totaling 46 minutes were recorded. He quickly recanted his confession, citing intimidation, coercion, fatigue, and veiled threats from the police. He specifically said that he was scared of the police during this confession. 
That's kind of like um, in Making a Murderer. Yes. With, um, who's the guy? The Making guy, he murderer. also had a low IQ and oh, they right. and they, they questioned him for too long and then finally he just admitted it. Steve, it was Stephen Avery and... Yeah, Stephen Avery was the was the adult and then... Brendan Dassey. Brendan Dassey, that's yeah, who that's it was. Yeah, that's similar. Yeah, it's like the same the same idea yep. where there, there's a low functioning IQ yeah. guy and then they question just him forever. Just take advantage of him. Yeah. Portions of Jesse's statements to the police were leaked to the press and reported on the front page of the Memphis Commercial Appeal before any of the trials began. Uh-oh. Yeah. How do you get a good jury if it's already exactly. been... Exactly. They did it on purpose. Oh, boy. Then there is also Jason Baldwin, 16. He was close friends with Damien Eccles. He was implicated by Jesse Miss Kelly in one of his confessions. Then the trial starts. Jesse Miss Kelly was tried separately, and Damien and Jason were tried together. During Jesse's trial, an expert on false confessions and police co- coercion testified that Jesse's recorded interrogation was a classic example of police coercion. Critics have also stated that Jesse's various confessions were inconsistent with each other, as well as with the particulars of the crime scene and murder victims, including an admission that he watched Damien rape one of the boys. Because it's, um, what is it called? It's uh, leading questions and contamination yeah, yep. and stuff like that. Police initially suspected that the victims had been raped. However, there was no forensic evidence indicating that the murdered boys had been raped. On February 5th, 1994, Jesse was convicted of one count of first-degree murder and two counts of second-degree murder. He was sentenced to life plus 40 years in prison. His conviction was appealed, but the Arkansas Supreme Court affirmed the conviction. So, three weeks later, Damien and Jason went to trial. The prosecution accused them of committing a satanic murder. The defense team argued that news articles from the time could have been the source for Eccles' knowledge about the genital mutilation, and Damien said his knowledge was limited to what was on TV. Mm. Damien testified that Detective Ridge's description of their earlier conversation, which was not recorded, regarding those particular details was inaccurate. Mara Levitz, an investigative journalist and the author of Devil's Knot, argues that Eccles' information may have come from police leaks, such as Detective Gitchell's comments to Mark Byers that circulated amongst the local public. The defense team objected when the prosecution attempted to question Eccles about his past violent behaviors, but the defense objections were overruled. Dr. George Woods testified for the defense that Damien suffered from serious mental illness delusions, auditory and visual hallucinations, disordered thought processes, substantial lack of insight, and chronic incapacitating mood swings. I literally feel like I have all of that. Yeah, right? No joke. On March 19th, 1994, Eccles and Baldwin were found guilty on three counts of murder. The court sentenced Eccles to death and Baldwin to life in prison. At his death penalty hearing, Damien's psychologist reported that months before the murders, he had claimed that he obtained superpowers by drinking human blood. A key prosecution witness was a self-proclaimed cult expert who stated that the murder bore trappings of the occult. This testimony, combined with the testimony about books Damien Eccles read and some of his writings, plus evidence that he and Jason liked heavy metal music and several black t-shirts found in Jason's closet, helped to convict the two teenagers. So this was all part of, like, 
the satanic panic. Yeah, because it was 93. Right. Like, right in the thick of it. Right in the thick of it. Yep. Also, the homicide case was file 9305-0666. Oh. But... I learned Uh-oh. that it was initially 9305-0555, and then the prosecution had it changed to Why? 666 to feed into this whole oh, occult Satanism on. stuff That's to help insane. feed their case that like, oh, this was a Satanic cult crime. Damien is oh. into the occult, which if when you look into the background of Damien Eccles, he was, I think, kind of just like any other weird, off-the-beaten-track yeah. kid where he liked listening to heavy metal music. He wore black. He had, you know, wore black nail polish. Yeah. Maybe he had some mental illness issues, was a little bit off the beaten path. He had an interest in the occult. So do you and I. Sure. You know, like, look at our web history. Don't look at my web Don't history. Don't look at our web history. I want to go to jail. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. So, like, he he had all these things. Yes, that's true. Does that make you a murderer? No, it makes you cool. Exactly. <laughs> but if if you're trying to, like, build a case around this, sure, yeah. you can take all these things and be like, okay, he's, like, a bad guy. And he wears all black. Right, exactly. So crazy. Also, allegedly, there are satanic rituals, et cetera, and occult stuff going on in this town. There was uh, the local newspaper in 1993 called The Commercial Agent ran a story that there's this place there called Stonehenge, which is a local cotton gin where people would hang out and there was satanic graffiti there and local kids would practice magic satanism allegedly they would murder dogs there oh god yeah so this is all alleged stuff and it's said that damien eccles had stated that he would do black magic there damien himself has said that he practiced wicca which is white witchcraft right damien eccles had dated a girl who had said that she was pagan and and practice black magic. He's and, just super goth. Yeah, he's just a super goth kid. Super goth. And al- also he wanted to be like a literal magician. Oh. Like a magic castle magician. Oh, really? Like he liked like card tricks. <laughs> oh, he did? Yeah. So like there's a lot there's a lot going around about that feeds into the satanic right. panic stuff. And then you see this murder and then there's stuff around Satanism. If you listen to our past episode about, you know, you think like mm-hmm. sacrificing children and mm-hmm. stuff goes into it where they see this murder and they're like, OK, it's an occult crime. The 90s. 90s were crazy. The 90s. OK, so at the crime scene, there were so many police errors. The crime scene was trampled upon. Right. Just so many people that just not taking any care of for like evidence or anything. The bodies were removed from the water before the coroner arrived. That's not good. So he couldn't really tell how long they'd been there. What like he they just fucked up everything. There's a small amount of blood at the crime scene that was never tested. Uh-oh. And the evidence was placed in paper bags obtained from a supermarket that still had like the name of the supermarket on the back. Oh, Jesus. So the West Memphis Police Department was overwhelmed with the crime because it was by far the biggest case they'd ever investigated. And they refused an offer of help from the violent crimes experts of the Arkansas State Police which is crazy. And some people su- suggested this was because the West Memphis Police Department was currently under investigation by the Arkansas State Police for suspected theft from Crittenden County 
drug task force. Oh, shit. Yeah, so there were, I looked that up, and it was a lot of police involved in this. Like corrupt police? Corrupt police, like taking money. Because they, at one point, this county had like the most amount of money seized from drug busts in like 92, I think, 92 or 93. Which is crazy. So a lot of police were accused of like taking the money, staging things. and That's not surprising because later on, I think one of these people might have been an informant. Right. So that's maybe yes, why they, they didn't get caught or implicated yes, or questioned. They were. So then a bunch of documentaries came out. There Which are, kind of shifted where this case went. Yeah, the first one was Paradise Lost, The Child Murders at Robin Hood Hills from 96. Paradise Lost 2 was in 2000 and the Paradise Lost 3 was in 2011. Uh, the documentaries started garnering a huge following. We see now in documentaries like Making a Murder where they believe they're innocents and want to get them out of jail. And then there's another documentary, West of Memphis, produced by Peter Jackson of Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. There's also a book, Devil's Knot, by Mara Leverett, which was made into a movie. Yeah, I, <laughs> I saw the IMDb page and then I sent it to our web crawlers group chat. And I was like, oh my god, this is apparently going to be a a movie with Reese Witherspoon and Colin Firth. Why are they casting rom-com actors in so this movie? Weird. And then Melissa's like, no, it's already been made. Yeah, I sent the post a movie poster. The movie poster. So then I rented it. <laughs> How was it? It's horrible. But I rented it. And then when I rented it, it was like, would you like to continue watching this oh, movie? Yeah. Like, I'd seen half of it already and didn't even remember. So I guess That's I'd already so watched weird. it. Or it's, someone was logging into your account. Had, which actually... Or uh, you are using someone else's account. <laughs> all of the above. <laughs> um, so yeah, they also made it into a motion picture. So there have been five movies yeah. about There's this case. There's so many. Yeah. And it kind of became the first crowdsourced criminal yeah. investigation before yep. all these documentaries. Yep. Now, this was the first true crime thing that kind of like garnered the population's attention so there are some key people in this case you should know the first one is john mark byers in 1993 while filming the first paradise lost john mark byers the adopted father of victim christopher byers gave a cameraman a folding hunting knife after the documentary crew returned to New York, they discovered what appeared to be blood on the knife. Oh, God. HBO executives ordered them to return the knife to the West Memphis Police Department. Byers initially claimed the knife had never been used. However, after blood was found on the knife, he stated that he had used it only once to cut deer meat. Or kill people. Or kill people. When told the blood matched both his and Chris's blood type, Byers said he had no idea how the blood might have gotten onto the knife. Mm-hmm. During interrogation, West Memphis police suggested to Byers that he might have left the knife out accidentally, and Byers agreed with this. Byers later stated that he might have cut his thumb. <laughs> Further testing of the knife produced inconclusive results about the source of the blood. Byers agreed to and passed a polygraph test about the murders during the filming of Paradise Lost 2 Revelations. But the documentary indicated that Byers was under the influence of several psychoactive prescription medications that could have affected the results. While he was doing a polygraph, he... I feel like you shouldn't be allowed to... on drugs? Yeah, you should get, like, on acid. That's crazy. Um, But then I did some further research... And there are allegations that potentially Byers is a police informant. Yeah. 
because he was arrested several on, times uh, cocaine and weapons charge but he didn't serve any time yeah so there's this website the website of this woman mara leverett who has a website about the west memphis three here are all the things that have happened to buyers that he didn't get any jail time for uh, Byers' first wife sought a restraining order against him, claiming that he had threatened to kill her. Six months later, Byers was convicted of terroristic threatening, a felony, oh for physically attacking her and again threatening to kill her in the presence of her two children. He was placed on probation on the condition that he pay child support. Then his ex-wife showed up to court saying he was not paying his child support. The probation was not revoked. The judge, David Burnett, asked that Byers' felony convictions all get expunged. He was also the same judge who convicted the three guys. Stop it. Judge David Burnett. That's that's him. Bananas. Mm-hmm. Nine months before the murders, Byers was arrested in Memphis and charged with felony possession of cocaine and dangerous weapons and was not prosecuted. That's insane. I mean... If you have a weapon and cocaine... Damien Eccles is just listening to Ozzy Osbourne and gets accused of murder. Meanwhile, yeah. this guy is carrying cocaine and a gat, and nothing <laughs> happens to him. Six months before the murders, he stole thousands of dollars of merchandise. Like Come the list, on. The list goes on and, he's and on. he's never been in jail. And has never been in jail. Nothing. What? Yeah, so allegedly he was an informant somehow for the police, so he's getting away with all this yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, this is all about teeth. Great. After their conviction, the three convicted submitted imprints of their teeth, which were compared to an alleged bite mark on Stevie Branch's forehead that had not been mentioned in the original autopsy or trial. No matches were found. John Mark Byers had his teeth removed in 1997 after the first trial, but before an imprint could be made. His (laughs) reasons for the removal are contradictory. He said... Both the seizure medication he was taking caused periodontal disease and that he planned to remove the, his teeth because of other kinds of dental problems, which like troubled him for years. dentures? I guess. Oh, boy. After an expert examined autopsy photos and noted what he thought might be the imprint of a belt buckle on Byers' corpse, uh, John Mark Byers told the police he had spanked his stepson shortly before the boy disappeared. Uh. Yeah, and then, okay, so there were turtles. There were a lot of turtles in the water where the boys were found. Uh, in the West of Memphis documentary, a turtle wrangler shows that the bites shown on the autopsy are identical to the bites that would have been made by various types of turtles to post-mortem flesh. Yeah, so in yeah. terms of the teeth, like... Yeah, it could have been animals. Their automatic assumption is that the teeth on the deceased, the teeth marks were from yeah. people during some sort of satanic yeah. or whatever, but they're the exact marks that turtles yeah. that these turtles would have yeah. made then there's vicky hutchinson she played an important role in the convictions on may 6 1993 before the victims were found later the same day vicky took a polygraph test to determine whether or not she had stolen money from her job her son aaron was also present and was a friend of the three missing boys Aaron said he had witnessed the murders in a playhouse committed by Satanists who spoke Spanish, but his further statements were wildly inconsistent. 
A police officer leaked portions of Aaron's statements to the press, contributing to the growing belief that the murders were part of a satanic rite. On June 1st, 1993, Vicki agreed with the police to place hidden microphones in her home during an encounter with Damien. Jesse Miss Kelly agreed to introduce Vicki to Damien. During their conversation, Vicki said that Damien made no incriminating statements. Police said the recording was inaudible, but Vicky claimed the recording was audible. Vicky told police that about two weeks after the murders were committed, she, Damien, and Miss Kelly attended a Wiccan meeting in Turrell, Arkansas. Vicky claimed that at the Wiccan meeting, a drunken Damien openly bragged about killing the three boys. Vicky was never charged with theft. She said she had implicated Damien and Miss Kelly to avoid facing criminal charges and to obtain a reward for the discovery of the murders. So she said all this she yeah. she lied under oath because she was going to she was stealing from her job. Yeah, and so she made up all these lies yeah, saying they're that, like place a hidden can or a hidden microphone and if you can get out of this if you can catch Damien. The police whatever. also told her to put occult books around her house and on her table. Oh, really? As a point of <sighs> like breaking the ice with Damien. That's so shady. Yeah, they essentially just tried yeah. to implicate Damien. Yeah. Dangle a carrot. Yeah, because they questioned her. It was before the victims were found that day. It was literally the day of the murders. And they probably heard that it happened. And they're like, oh, well, you need to get us info. Yeah. Like, you can't, or we're going to arrest you for theft or whatever. Right. So, in October 2003, nearly 10 years later... Vicky gave an interview to the Arkansas Time in which she stated that every word she had given to the police was a fabrication. Oof. She said the police told her if she did not cooperate with them, they would take away her child. Aha. Uh-huh. Mm. She said that in the police station, employees had photographs of Eccles, Baldwin, and Miss Kelly on the wall and were using them as dart targets. Stop. Yeah. She also claims an audio tape the police said was unintelligible that they eventually lost was perfectly clear and contained no incriminating statements. A little too late. That's so Vicky. Up. Yeah, so she, yeah, so the police were like we'll take away your child. So of course she unless feels you the help need us. To lie. Yeah. Okay, so Terry Hobbs. Mm. This <laughs> Terry Hobbs is the father of he's a stepfather of Stevie. At one point he backhanded his wife because she paid more attention to Stevie than he did Terry. Stevie's one of the victims. Stevie's one of the victims. Uh he would lock Stevie up in the closet if he didn't do what he was told. Stevie's aunt said Terry would make Stevie watch him masturbate and make Stevie mess around with his sister. Yeah, Stevie told that to Stevie's aunt once. Yeah. In 2007, DNA was collected from the scene, the crime scene, and nothing matched Damien Baldwin or uh, Jesse Miss Kelly. And a hair that was not inconsistent with Terry Hobbs was found tied into the knots used to bind one of the victims. Another hair was also consistent with Terry's friend, David Jacoby. Mm. After the convictions, Pamela Hobbs, Terry's wife, said, My sister JoLynn and I found a knife in Terry's nightstand that Stevie carried with him constantly and which I had believed was with him when he died. It was a pocket knife that my father had given to Stevie, and Stevie loved that knife. I was shocked that the police did not find it with Stevie when they found his body. I had always assumed that my son's murderer had taken the knife during the crime. I could not believe it was in Terry's things. He never told me that he had it. Also, my sister told me that she saw Terry wash clothes, bed linens, and curtains from Stevie's room at an odd time around the time of the murders. 
Yeah, like like Terry never cleaned anything, and yeah. then after, after the murders, all of a sudden he was bleaching. Oh, I gotta do and laundry. Yeah, doing laundry and like bleaching so- down Stevie's room. The filmmakers for West of Memphis talked to three young men who now claim to have been told by a nephew of Terry Hobbs that the fact that Terry killed the three boys was a closely guarded family secret. Mm. Yeah. So apparently Terry told his brother that he killed the boys and then Terry's brother told his son Mm -hmm. and then the son told people. In statements under oath, the three witnesses say that Michael Hobbs told them, my uncle killed three boys in West Memphis. All the boys took polygraph tests, which show that they were telling the truth. Uh-oh. Yeah. So Terry confessed to his brother. His brother told his son. And Suspicious. then it's starting to go around. Milfred French, an That's old... A great name. <laughs> it is so amazing. Milfred French. Milfred looks like Milfred. If you watch the West of Memphis documentary, she's like an older woman who's real crotchety looking. Milfred French, an old neighbor of Terry's when they lived in an apartment, mm-hmm. repeatedly heard crying crumming, coming from his unit. And this is when Stevie was still alive when they were a family. It seemed as if Terry was beating either his wife or Stevie. One day, she decided to come down to the unit to see what was happening. Terry said, it's none of your business, to which Milfred replied, I am going to make it my business. Ooh, Milfred. Milfred knows what's up. They got in a fight, and Milfred left. Then a few weeks later, at one point, Terry allegedly broke into Milfred's house through her bathroom window, squeezed her breasts. Oh, my God. And then ran out of the unit when Milfred started repeatedly screaming. Yeah. So Milfred filed a police report, right? and Terry denied everything. Milfred said to Terry, you're sick, Terry, you're sick. This happened in front of police, to which Terry replied, you know what? I am. Oh, Terry. Scary, right? Scary Terry. Terry. (laughs) Maria, love that one. (laughs) Thought that was nice. Thank you. Nice little button. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
So Terry, also like when you look in the documentaries of Terry and the police are asking him questions. This happens in the further documentaries, not the beginning ones. This is mostly in West of Memphis. He is like laughing. Oh, he is? Yeah, when they're like, did you beat up your wife? And he's he like thinks it's hysterical. <sighs> and he's like, I'm just sick of talking about it. Like he, you can what see a he's, a ba- he's a bad dude. Oh boy. Okay, so in 2007, Damien petitioned for a retrial based on a statute permitting post-conviction testing of DNA evidence due to technological advances made since 94, which could potentially provide them exoneration. And also due to Pamela Hobbs' statements about her husband and his knife. However, the original judge, Judge David Burnett, said he would not allow that information in his court. Something's up with Dave Burnett. In 2010, David Burnett was elected to the Arkansas State Senate. So another judge was selected to preside in their appeal hearing. So Mm. they got rid of that judge. Good. And on August 19, 2011, the three men were released from prison. They entered an Alfred plea which is a legal mechanism that allows defendants to plead guilty while still asserting their actual innocence in cases where defendants concede that prosecutors have sufficient evidence to secure a conviction. So under this deal, the judge vacated the previous convictions and ordered a new trial. Each man then entered an Alfred plea to lesser charges of first and second degree murder while verbally stating their innocence. So they were sentenced to time served in a total of 18 years and 78 days. As part of the plea deal, the three men cannot pursue civil action against the state for wrongful imprisonment, which is total bullshit. Yeah, that's crazy. Because for the Alfred plea, it's basically saying, yeah, I'm guilty, but you're letting me out of prison. Yeah, you have to say you're guilty. Yeah. Many people push the Arkansas governor to exonerate them, but he said he wouldn't exonerate them unless someone else is found guilty of the murders. But can, this is Maria, can someone be found guilty of the murders if someone has already been convicted of the murders? Like double jeopardy? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, because people are found innocent all the time when they find like the new killer and people are exonerated. Oh, but they but they said they were guilty. Oh right. So the, oh right, that's true. That's a good question. We have to do some more research. I'm on the sure author. they can. I'm sure they can. Because maybe you can add another person. Yeah, I'm sure. You oh can. sure, yeah, you can add another. Per- if someone else is found guilty, yeah, they can exonerate those guys. So their pleas would no longer be valid. So as long as they find someone else, but they but they don't want to. They have no reason to find someone else now because they already have three guys who said they were guilty. Right. And if they do find someone who did it and they exonerate the three guys, they could sue Arkansas and they would get millions of dollars. So that's Mm. why the state doesn't want to do that. I don't think they have any interest in continuing to look, but I think the public could look. Yes. And then, because I think you could always add another person. Like you could say this person's also guilty. Yeah, you can do that. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I I'm wonder not, if that's ever happened. I'm not a lawyer. You're not? I wish I was. We should You're all go to online Like Kim school. Kardashian. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things is that part of the <laughs> part of the issue with the testimony is that a lot of the people that were called to the stand were be like, I'm a PhD. And then they'd be like, where did you get your degree? Oh. And then it was an online school. And that was a lot of the reason why a lot of it was like oh. immiscible in court. Is because they'd be like, oh, I, I have a degree in criminology. 
And they'd say where it where and it was like University of Phoenix, and I had to take oh, no. no classes. And this was like 1993 or whatever. Yeah. So this was like this was like the Wild West. Like the guy, <laughs> yeah, the, the guy like dial up modem online oh, college. God. The guy who who they called to the stand for the occult the occult expert, right? Was got his online credential oh, and like God. had to take no classes. Was like a PhD in occult crimes and. All they did was send him a certificate. And on the stand, it says this in the documentary, they're like, how many classes did you have to take to get your PhD? <laughs> and he's like, none. They're going to, Melissa's going to be on like a witness for something and they're going to say, or, or a, a <laughs> Satan. A Satan yeah. Satan well, can you tell us why you're here? Because I'm a member of the church, I'm getting the temple of Satan. Yeah. The satanic I'm temple. I'm going to say Lucian Graves did not respond yeah. to my DM. I slid <laughs> yeah. into his DMs and he did not respond to me. So... All these documentaries and this book got the attention of all these celebrities, which ended which ended up being great because it got them this Alfred plea and mm-hmm. it like got all these other people working on the case. If they're innocent, it's great. But actor Johnny Depp was one of the people who got super involved in this case. Johnny Depp has a matching tattoo. Oh. With Damien Eccles of the West Memphis Three. In an interview to the rap of his friendship with Eccles, Depp says, and their friendship is over two decades long. Wow. There was an instant connection, some brotherly kind of love there. It was instant, he says. To finally see Damien arrive at my house on my doorstep was moving. And it was a celebration. It was beautiful. We had tater tots and tacos. All things took their natural course. And of course, we ended up at the tattoo parlor. I'm sorry. Tater tots and tacos. If I just got out of jail and Johnny Depp offers me tater tots, I would be fucking pissed. I'd be so angry. I want a steak from Johnny Depp (laughs) if I'm going to his house after... 25 years in the clink. Yeah, you get tater tots and tacos. That's horrible. Ugh. Yeah, but anyways, he Johnny Depp matching tattoos. What is the tattoo? I don't know. I couldn't find that. It's just like two hearts. Yeah. It's- <laughs> <laughs> um, then Peter Jackson obviously hears about this case. Director, writer, producer of Lord of the Rings trilogy thinks these boys are innocent and does this West of Memphis documentary, which essentially labels Terry Hobbs, the stepfather of Stevie, as a suspect. Right. Another thing that happens is as these documentaries are rolling out, Henry Rollins, former member of Black Flag, also gets a soft spot for Damien Eccles, and he does a huge benefit show in 2003 with Black Flag, Iggy Pop, Chuck D of Public Enemy, and all the money goes to continuing to investigate the trial, trying to get the kids off, and finding the real killer. Damn. Which, I mean, ultimately, they get off, so. Yeah. Okay, so the Dixie Chicks got sued by Terry Hobbs. Dixie Chicks also involved in this Dixie wonderful Chicks case. involved. They put on their website a whole statement about freeing the West Memphis Three and how Terry Hobbs is most likely involved. And so Terry Hobbs sued them, was like, this is bullshit, you're ruining my life. He had to go back to being questioned and for the police. And so this allowed him. He was never questioned. Yeah. Initially. Initially in in the in the trial, they never questioned Terry Hobbs. They didn't ask him where he was. They didn't ask him crazy. Any questions about what was going on, his relations to anyone, anything about his background. 
Yes. They just assumed immediately yeah. off the bat that it was Damien Eccles and his two friends just because they had an interest in the occult. That's so crazy. So he has to do some sworn testimony. And I found a little snippet from some of the questions. Should we read it? Yes. Who would you like to be? Do you want, I, do, should I be the, the police officer? Sure. Go for it. Okay. And you haven't done any drugs? I don't do drugs. That's not my question. You've done drugs in the past, haven't you? I tried medications in the past. Medications? What medications? Whatever the doctor gives you. So the only drugs you've done in the past are drugs that doctors have prescribed? Well, I have smoked a joint. Other than smoking a joint, any other drugs you've used other than drugs the doctors have prescribed for you? Not in the business. So it's your testimony that the only drugs you have ever done are drugs that have been prescribed to you or a joint or two. Is that your testimony under oath, Mr. Hobbs? Well... And remember, you are under oath. I tried cocaine a few times. Big deal. Tried cocaine a few times. So we've got some joints, some cocaine. What other drugs? None. Crystal meth? Not in the business. That's not my question. My question... I don't do crystal meth. My question, sir, is under oath, can you... Is it your testimony that you have never done crystal meth? I tried it with my wife. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so he's essentially a liar That's he like, goes from I'm like watching like a david mamet play that was really beautiful you was guys it good? Thank yeah you. thanks we should do that more often yeah yeah that was riveting thanks wow so he had to pay money he <laughs> lost obviously he had to pay seventeen thousand dollars to natalie mains of the dixie chicks just for like court and lawyer fees the dixie chicks have it hard yeah between bush and then oh yeah terry hobbs they deserve yeah. an apology. Yeah. So then I found a Damien Nichols Reddit AMA. Ooh. Who's Damien Nichols? Oh, Damien Eccles. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. Great. Yeah. Oh, great. Oh, now no. that's going to give us writing? another one-star review. <laughs> Damien Nichols. <laughs> I wonder who Damien Nichols is. Let's Google <laughs> Damien Nichols and see if there's anyone named Damien Nichols. Well, to be fair... Damien Eccles comes up when you <laughs> search only for Damien Nichols. Let's see. Damien Nichols has an IMDb page. Oh my God. There's a Damien Nichols Democratic candidate. Oh my God. He's for the Congressional District of California. Wow. What if he's like my husband or something? <laughs> Your future husband. Oh, well, okay. Anyways, that's a, that's a dead end. Okay. Damien Eccles read at AMA. So I found this AMA, and I'll say what the AMA is, and then, Melissa, you will say your thing. Okay, the question is, what has it been like living in New York City since you were released last year? And now you're moving to Salem, Massachusetts, which is a much sleepier place. How did you and Lori decide on the move? BTW, Lori is Damien's wife. Yes. Who... He met while he was in jail. And married while he was in jail. And married while he was in jail. Lori was a pen pal who started writing to Damien while he was in jail. Yeah, starting at like 1996 or 97, I think. If you can't tell, I was holding in a burp the entire time I said that. (laughs) I didn't notice. I didn't notice. Okay, so Damien Eccles replies, I love Salem because it's an incredibly magical... Spelled the occult way. Ooh. Beautiful place. Now, Melissa, what did you notice about Salem? Salem, Massachusetts is home of the Satanic Temple. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 
Maria's not as enthused, so she's eating trail mix. I just had to have some trail mix. I'm sorry, but that's crazy. I get it. Yeah, so now he lives in the home, Salem, Massachusetts, home of the Satanic Temple. He also references magic a lot in this AMA. Interesting. Which, I mean, we knew that he's interested in this kind of stuff. He talks about his prison pen pal, then becomes his wife, Uh, Lori, what was it about Lori's first letter to you that hit the mark with you more than all the others? Uh, What stood out for you that made you trust this person? He says, it wasn't anything that she said. It was more just the energy around the letter. I knew by the way she expressed herself that this was someone completely unlike anyone I had ever known before. And I had this immediately immediate desire for more. I wanted to know everything she thought, everything she felt and still do now. I never came across anyone who's half as magical as she is. Mm, yeah, they're still together. They're still together. I want to do a Patreon uh, mini episode on prison pen pals. Oh, it's so weird. Yeah, we started actually researching it a little bit, and we yeah. l- were looking at a bunch of websites where you can find a prison <laughs> pen pal. So weird. And then we it's were deciding so whether or not we should get a prison pen pal. It would have to be someone who's in there for life. Because what if they get out and they come stalk us or murder us? us. Yeah, so we need need to to get a P.O. box and then we'd have to get a P.O. box. A P.O. box and then someone who's (laughs) in in prison for life. But if they're in prison for life, Melissa, they did something bad. Well, or they could have done multiple things. That were only kind of bad. Like they had a gun. (laughs) They had drugs. They had a parking ticket. They had this all build up. Oh, my God. Can you go to prison for a parking ticket? My no, dad I mean. literally just texted me a parking ticket and no, it says, boot. please pay this before it doubles. Oh, no. Yeah, they double and they triple and then you get the boot. Have you been on Damien Eccles' website? No. Seems like something we should have done. <laughs> I've been to 30,000 West Memphis 3 websites except for his. Because he's all about the magic and he like teaches classes in New York. Oh, he like, does. Stop Wait, it. is that him on the... Yeah, of course. Oh, my God. Oh, he got a haircut. You're already doing magic. You just don't know it, says yeah. Damien. Oh. Yeah, he, every day in prison, he did some sort of, like, ritual thing. Because he was in solitary confinement. Yeah, for, like, 10 years. Imagine that. I, I can't. I guess his thing is high magic. Uh, magic is not a path for followers. It is a path for questioners, seekers, and anyone who has trouble settling for dogma and pre-formulated answers. Magic is for those who feel a desire to peel away the surface of reality and see what lies beneath. He is merch. Tony Robbins loves his book. Really? Stop it. Hi, Hi, Magic, a guide to the spiritual practices that saved my life on death row. Tony Robbins says, an incredibly powerful book about the power of consciousness and the human spirit to transcend any situation or adversity. Damien spent nearly 20 years in death row for a crime he didn't commit. And if this guy can walk the talk, anyone can. Well, Tony Robbins... Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins also just got recently me too. So yeah, he did. Yeah, Maria, stop reading the reviews of problematic people. Oh, Maria, you're against the Me Too movement. I'm not against the Me Too movement. I just like Tony Robbins. I think he's he's all right. Do you like Louis C.K. and Woody Allen too? No comment. Let me eat my trail mix. (laughs) Oh, this is interesting. The Buddha used meditation. Whirling dervishes use ecstatic trance. Hermetic esoterics use magic. Shamans consume consciousness, altering chemicals such as peyote. What they all have in common is their reliance upon direct experience to step beyond the boundaries imposed by the intellect. 
One of the most famous hermetic esoterics, Alistair Crowley, said that when a person seeks to discover the true nature of reality, he shouldn't do so. Oh, my God. Yes. Y'all gonna have to turn that down. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's he's in it. We got him. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I wonder if he knows um, Lucian Graves. I wonder if he knows Lucian Graves. They seem like they'd be... Melissa, t- tweet at Lucian from your, <laughs> oh, from your oh, personal boy. account. Oh, yeah, I can do and that. And ask him what he thinks of the West Memphis Three. What if he thinks they're guilty? That'd be <laughs> such a disappointment. <laughs> Why is his name Damien? Oh, good question. Like, did his parents name him that? Oh, he was born as Michael Wayne Hutchison. Oh, so he named himself Damien. Yes. Oh, well, then that's probably why there's also... Damien Eccle. Yeah, he changed his name. There's all the hubbubaloo. It came from his hero, Father Damien, the 19th century Belgian missionary priest who worked with the Hawaiian lepers. Hmm. That's kind of sweet. I wonder if he has a Twitter. Let's he look. has an Instagram, and he's on... He last post was 23 hours ago, so. Stop it. Wow. He's verified. He's followed by the Satanic Temple. That answers our oh, question yeah. about Lucian. Yeah. I'm going to like a few of his picks. <laughs> <laughs> Careful, Allie. You know what happened last time. Yeah. Let's... Oh, yeah. I read, I read, a, this is uh, my whole life changed because Ice T tweeted saying, if you want to secure the bag, you have to act cool and calm oh. and collected. Yeah. He was practically tweeting at me. So if I want to secure the bag, I can't seem too thirsty. <laughs> so I'll just like, two pictures oh my god what on november 16 2018 there's a picture of him with natalie mains of the dixie chicks oh that's BFFs. nice that's nice for them yeah that's nice for them. i'm it's, happy for them okay let's move on to theories here's a theory that i think we both have yes. if the boys didn't do it which i think we're probably under the assumption that they yeah. did it maybe i still think they're a little off but i don't know if they did it my first theory is I think it was the dad, Terry Hobbs. Yep. He was never questioned in the trial. He has definitely beaten his wife. He has admitted to beating Stevie at times. Stevie told his aunt that Terry sexually abused him and made him hook up with his sister. Mm -hmm. Terry would lock Stevie in a closet if he didn't do exactly what he said. That's awful. Um, And Terry also admitted in the second line of questioning that he, like, was a drug user and all this kind of stuff. And according to Terry Hobbs' ex-wife, Terry's first wife, claimed that in their divorce papers that Terry molested their son. Oh, stop it, really? his first wife said that. Okay, so Terry's up to no good. And then also, Terry Terry broke into his neighbor's house and squeezed her bosom. I think that Terry did it. I think that, and this goes into other stuff. This might seem a little confusing. It's alleged that Terry would go into the woods Mm -hmm. with these two other guys. Three guys. Three guys. David Jacoby. Which was his, like, pal. His best friend. L.G. Hollingsworth and Buddy Lucas. Who were two teenagers. Who were two teenagers. And it's the ledge that they would, like, smoke joints, Mm -hmm. do drugs, and be sexual with one another. Mm -hmm. Apparently, what I think happened, and what is a popular theory, 
is that one day Stevie and his friends mm-hmm. were like riding bikes, mm-hmm. went out into the woods and saw Terry, Stevie's dad, with his friends doing drugs and hooking up with one another. Because they had said one of the someone had said that they had seen them doing this a few times. Yes. They had seen these older men kind of like hooking up with each other in the woods a few times. Yes. Terry's drug dealer, Billy. What I think happened is that the young boys saw Terry and these guys hooking up and doing drugs in the woods. Mm -hmm. Terry freaked out. Yep. Had a burst of anger, rage blackout, started wailing on Stevie, beating him up because it's known that he's done that before. Terry kills Stevie. The other two boys are there. They're like, we can't just let these guys, these two guys go. They kill all the kids Mm -hmm. and then put them in um, the river, the whatever. And then they're eaten by the turtles that live there. Okay, so at the restaurant Bojangles. Right. In another city, but it's near, it's close. All of a sudden, a bloody man runs into the restaurant, into the bathroom, and there's, like, blood everywhere. Like, the night that the kids were murdered. The night that the kids were murdered. And the people who work at Bojangles call the cops, and Mm -hmm. there's, like, there's a bloody man and blood everywhere in the bathroom. Like, what's going on? Like, someone come here. What's happening? Mm -hmm. The police come, but they don't check. Yeah. They don't go inside. Yeah. For some reason. Yeah. So could it be, so then like some people are like, oh, whoever was in the Bojangles bathroom is who killed them. Yeah. Could that have been either like David Jacoby or Buddy Lucas or LG Hollingsworth? Right. Who were just, you know, at the crime scene and then they go to the Bojangles to clean themselves off Mm -hmm. or something like that. And they didn't, they got a blood sample, but they apparently lost it. That's so crazy. This guy, Buddy Lucas and LG Hollingsworth, the two twin, or it's two teen guys oh my god i thought you were about to say they're twins i was gonna freak out (laughs) not yet so a guy named billy stewart who lived at lakeshore trailer park he testified that terry hobbs david jacoby buddy lucas and his friend lg pulled up to his trailer to buy weed around 6 p.m because billy was terry's drug dealer Mm. he said that buddy lucas confessed to him well me and lg hollingsworth and them two we done it we killed them little boys Oh, shit. And LG told him that he and Lucas had been walking in Lakeshore Trailer Park when Terry and David Jacoby drove up asking if they wanted to smoke weed. Buddy and LG, they got into the car and they went to Billy's. Billy also claims he saw Terry Hobbs kiss David Jacoby and that his son also saw them kiss on a later occasion. Billy also testified that Buddy Lucas said that the four dudes drank whiskey, smoked pot, drove around, eventually ending up in the wooded area to smoke and drink. And that Buddy told Billy that Terry and David Jacoby made the two teenagers wrestle after they got into the woods. Mm. And then he said that the three little boys surprised them by riding up on their bikes, which is what you said. And then Terry yeah. Hobbs told them to chase down the boys. So then Buddy and LG were forced to hold the boys while David and Terry beat them. Oof. And they stripped the bodies, dumped them in the water, and they hid the bicycles. Yeah, where are they? did they ever find the bicycles? They were near the they were. crime scene, I believe. Uh, so Billy also said that a few days after the murders, he delivered pot, cocaine, and meth to Terry Hobbs at a Memphis gay bar called J-Wags. And he said it was known in the drug world that Terry was into boys. Hmm. Where did, because uh, there was rope, the, the kids were tied up and there was Terry's hair in the rope, right? Where did that rope come from? If they it was were- the shoelaces. Oh, it was shoelaces. Yeah, the boys' shoelaces. 
got him. Yep. So, Buddy Lucas... He's a good friend of Jesse Miss Kelly's. After the murders, Buddy's mother found muddy and bloody shoes in Buddy's room. After he had already been acting suspicious to his friends and family, claiming that he had no part in the murders, even though no one was asking him. <laughs> so Buddy said he got the shoes from Jesse Miss Kelly, so his mom called the cops. Then when Buddy spoke to the police, he said he had nothing to do with the murders, and Jesse gave him the shoes, and that Jesse also confessed to the murders. That's what he said. But when they asked him to do a polygraph, he immediately said he lied and said that Jesse didn't tell him anything. He was like, oh, no, no, I'm just kidding. I lied. Scary. And then the police never questioned Buddy Lucas again. I'm thinking that Terry and David Jacoby told the boys to wrestle, take off their shirts. And according to a website, westmemphispuzzle.blog, LG already had a suspicious relationship with an older man. He was 17, but he hung out a lot with a 50-year-old unmarried man who he basically lived with according to wreg.com buddy lucas who is described as being mentally slow was reportedly sent away from the area for several several years immediately after the incident all four of them are most likely involved and then he said he had blood and mud on his shoes and was like oh they're jesse's this is like tickled meats yeah making a murder but how did the police like go so hard with the the West Memphis Three and not like is it because they didn't want the optics of there being like gay sex in the woods of their you know conservative town or whatever and they'd rather condemn uh, Satanism and stuff I mean why why put all their chips in the West Memphis Three I think it was like the, a lot of it was the Satanic Panic thing yeah I, I think like it was Damien yeah. was like a real scapegoat and they didn't have any evidence at the time. They, the Except found, for the shoes that were in Lucas's place or whatever. They never tested the shoes. Yeah, they never tested. I, they they test had like anything. no evidence yeah. in the first trial. Yeah, there but was nothing. What evidence do they have against the West Memphis Three? That they were all black and listened to so heavy metal So they were nowhere music. near the crime at all. Jesse, Miss Kelly was apparently like somewhere at a wrestling match. Yeah, there was a wrestling somewhere. match. Um, it just seems so odd yeah. that it would be like, no, let's go after these people when they've got testimonies from other people being like, oh no, these other people were doing this stuff. Because well, there, the, there was the coerced confession I right. think is what it was. Oh, is they yeah. had they mm-hmm. had mentally challenged Jesse. They had put him in a room for like 13 hours and coerced yeah. a confession out of and him. And he's the one who was like, oh, I was there with Damien. So he was the one who implemented them. Did any did any of those people, those lawyers on the prosecution get uh, promoted after this case? Probably. Because that's usually why they go for these confessions so that they can get. They that's interesting. Get. I know one of the guys said that there's no that he regrets. It was in one of the documentaries. He was like, I regret my behavior. Like there's no experience is the, the only thing that like you can really learn from. And I, he regrets the way he behaved in the. I was also looking up other suspects. Yeah. Who it could possibly be. And I found 19-year-old David Wren and his twin brother, Michael, were criminals in West Memphis. They had burglary charges, theft charges, arson arrests, and they both had broken out of jail. Uh Uh-oh. So David Wren was a suspect because of his criminal history, he lived at the Mayfair Apartments and his brother was Frankie, who was near the crime scene on the evening. And a woman stated she overheard Frankie say that his brother David killed the children. But he took a polygraph test and he 
past. So it wasn't the twins. It wasn't the twins. Another one I have that's potential is the BTK killer. Oh, right. BTK stands for Blind Torture Kill. Uh, the BTK killer named Dennis Rader. He killed people in Kansas and would bind, torture, and kill them, similar to what happened in this case. Right. There was also like a sexual element to it. I think that the BTK killer mostly killed women, though. How far away is... Oh, he was born... Oh, on- no, he killed families. Oh, he did? Yeah. He was born on my birthday. He was? Yeah. <laughs> Pisces. Do you know that Pisces is the most common sign for serial killers? Is it really? Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. That explains so much. (laughs) John Wayne Gacy and Richard Ramirez were both Pisces. Of course they were. (laughs) What is that? It's a fire alarm. Is it coming from in here? No. No, it's coming. Melissa, go make sure there's not a fire. Feel the door first. (laughs) (laughs) I learned that a long time. Rolls the door. (laughs) Watch out for the backdraft, Melissa. Does it get louder when you open? Oh my god. Oh my god, that's good. Also, okay, so the Springfield 3 was June 1992, and it was three people. West Memphis 3 was May 1993. Also three people. Is there another three? (laughs) No, but she wants you to add the two up. (laughs) Oh, it's six? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I still need to take that online IQ test. (laughs) They're within a year, (laughs) oh, we should. Those crimes were within a year of each other. That's scary. Springfield is near West Memphis. I bet you that there's another crime with three people who were killed. There for sh- there has to be. Crimes where three were killed in 1993. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The Dallas eyeball killer murdered three women and removed their eyes. What year? 1990. Oh. Doesn't fit. Are we only looking for 1993? Mm-hmm. Or 94. 93-94-ish. I guess you'd call that a triple homicide. Yes. It's <laughs> a lot easier than crimes where three were killed. A man convicted of a 1993 triple homicide in Mississippi will get a new trial. Sherwood Brown was convicted of brutally killing 13-year-old Evangela Boyd, her mother Verlin Boyd, and her grandmother Betty Boyd in DeSoto County. The crime happened in January 1993 at the family's home near Eudora, Mississippi. Why does DeSoto sound familiar? The Supreme Court of Mississippi overturned Brown's conviction in light of the new analysis, and after overturning the conviction, the court ruled that Brown should be granted a new trial. So is he out in the world? In May 93. The house was totally ransacked, chop wounds. It doesn't go with the... Yeah, the the profile doesn't fit. Yeah, it doesn't fit the profile. (laughs) That was the coolest thing we've ever said. (laughs) (laughs) Just doesn't fit. Yeah, it's not his uh, MO. I don't think we're going to find anything. Okay, so that Reese Witherspoon movie... (laughs) Has a 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, but... Oof. Colin Firth is playing Terry Hobbs in that? No, he plays a lawyer. Okay, then who's Reese Witherspoon's playing his wife, though? Yes. Because there's this interview from from 2013 with Terry Hobbs, and they're like saying, wow, there's this movie being made after you, and he goes, everyone has a story, and this just happens to be mine. 
Then they said, what story is it? It says, it's one that sparked documentaries, a handful of books, even a movie that is about to be released. And then he says, with Hollywood actors. And who's playing your wife, asked Hall. Reese Witherspoon, laughs Hobbs. I'm happy about that. <laughs> God. He's so gross. His kid is dead. Yeah. Ugh. He's so gross. I mean, it is a step kid. That is true, Melissa. <laughs> Any last ideas or thoughts? No, I think Terry Hobbs, David Jacoby, and Buddy and LG were all had something to do with it. I think so, too. They're all guilty. What about Byers, though? John Mark Byers. Yeah, he's crazy. No, not at all. I'm going to say something. This is Maria. Hi, Maria. When I saw the first Paradise Lost, I was like, this guy's guilty. Oh, my God, he's guilty. Because he's so nuts. He was so nuts. And he was like, these boys did it. And he was like, 100%. Then in the last one, he's like totally cleaned up. And he's like, now I'm an activist to get these guys out. Yeah. And so like he completely oh, changed, his, he changed tune, his tune. And he's like, like normal now. And it's like, he's aware of how he came across. And he's like, no, 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 no. And now I'm advocating for these boys. Yeah. He's like, these guys are innocent yeah. and want to get them out. Mm, so if okay. he did it, that would be weird if he were to have yeah. done it and then, you know, not just let it lay. I think there's just like a weird meth underground, like a weird meth sex yeah. darkness that's going on in this town and the Terry's in on it with this other guy and they're making the young kids do stuff and, you know, like yeah. his stepson happened to be in the wrong place, wrong time. Terry had a rage blackout and he Terry's out on the streets continuing to be a bad dude. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Maria, any last thoughts? I'm glad that those boys are out, and I wish that they could get the the real killers in there. I think so too. And maybe um, if we're lucky, maybe we can talk to Damien somehow. We should reach out to him on the internet. Yes, just like we reached out to Lucian. <laughs> I'm not. Don't let Allie do it. Don't let do it. Someone else do it. Oh. I'll, I'll just be like, to like, hey. I mean, I guess we want to interview you, yeah. but like, I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Let me know. Let me know. If people want to follow us online, Melissa, where can they find us? You can find us on Twitter at WebcrawlersPod, Instagram WebcrawlersPod. We're on Reddit. We're on Facebook. We're on the internet. Great. <laughs> and you can donate to Patreon.com/slash/WebCrawlers uh, if you would like to become a patron. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And always remember three plus one equals, equals six. <laughs> Bye. Bye. An Elio's original. Powered by ACAST. 
Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.